Hey everybody out there in BeastNet land. Today we've got a very special two-part episode with Zachary Nubs Paven. In the first part, you'll hear Brother Boggs talking with him about the show Returning the Favor that his nonprofit More Heart Than Scars was recently on and a recipient of a grant from them. In the second part, we'll be hearing about stories of Zach's life growing up, why he's not in showbiz, and much, much more. So sit back, relax, and listen to Brother Boggs and Zach talk like best friends in high school. Intro. BeastNet is brought to you by James Safety Services. Here we discuss all things fitness, running, rucking, endurance, obstacle course racing, and more. Welcome to the BeastNet. Hey everybody out there in BeastNet land. Today you got Brother Boggs and I'm talking with Zachary Pavin, also known as Nubs. He's been on the show before and you may have seen him on this Facebook watch show called Returning the Favor a couple weeks ago. I know we promoted the heck out of it on the uh, BeastNet and of course my personal Facebook and Pretty Mike's Facebook have just been loaded with it. So Zach, you want to catch everybody up, uh, remind them who you are and what More Hearts and Scars is real quick? Sure. Uh, I'm an interpretive uh, turtle dancer trainer. I uh, teach turtles to come out of their shells, and uh, I've got a great routine on Broadway, but it got canceled due to the coronavirus, so I'm really having to go back to square one. <laughs> so now that my dreams of being a dancer, uh, choreographer are gone, I guess I have to do my real job, which is, you know, helping people uh, adapt to bath is what we really do. I've always, uh, my grandmother was in a wheelchair when I was a kid, and I always want her to take, take her to pretty places. And I would push her around uh, the spots that my, my grandfather and my uncle would be like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, oh, we'll be fine. My grandmother was always like, we'll be fine. <laughs> and I, I think that's really, that's it. I just uh, try to help my friends that may have limited access to things um, really get to explore and not focus on the injury or the loss so much as the adventure, which turns out to be applicable to everybody. Uh, we all are going through loss. Yeah, right now with with the world kind of being shut down, you and I were talking offline beforehand. Uh, there's a lot of downtime and a lot of people just don't know what to do. Um, honestly, I just created that Facebook group uh, called Survivors because I've yeah. found, I found while talking with a couple of guests here recently that uh, Facebook has gone to the boomers. It's all the people in the, the 40 to 65 range that are hanging out on Facebook. Everybody else has gone right. younger, I guess, to TikTok and those things. Oh, heck yeah. And, I've done TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, presently, my most successful thing I've ever shared on Facebook, other than the thing with my grow, is me dancing in my kilt on TikTok. And uh, <laughs> it, was an, it was an accident. I did not realize uh, it was going to go so big. <laughs> Apparently, a chunky guy with two dogs sitting next to him and it killed, uh, you know, shaking stuff is, uh, yeah. Shaking your money maker. <laughs> yeah. Lord of mercy. Yeah, you're right. The boomers are, uh, you know, more people are using Facebook. But I find some young people are coming back to it, too, because there's so many support groups and ways to share more information. Because, you know, TikTok gets you down to just a couple of, you know, less than a minute, Instagram. So many characters. Um, Twitter is, you know, however many characters there are, and, and there needs to be more in-depth stuff. To substance is important. 
Yeah. The the only thing with Facebook uh, is that it seems that everybody is posting doom and gloom on there. That's that's where the idea behind that group, the survivors, came from was we need somewhere that is not doom and gloom. Yeah, absolutely. Because it doesn't I mean, what do you... Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, if if all you do is, I mean, right now, what is it, 30 plus states are currently on some form of uh, shelter in place or stay at home order. So everyone's right. just sitting on Facebook and they're all just sitting there yeah. becoming uh, Facebook PhDs in coronavirus and, and posting, <laughs> yeah. just posting crazy crap on there. And, and honestly, that drags everybody down. And, and the last few weeks... Uh, Pretty Mike and I decided that, uh, you know, the BeastNet, while we're a, a fitness-based uh, podcast, is at least how we started. Right now, we need to refocus right. and, and be a shining star of hope and, and and put something positive out there. Because it's just, if you want negative, all you have to do is turn on your phone, turn on your TV, plenty of negative out there. So we're trying to find some positive in the world. And, and, and just enjoying the insanity of stuff. So like, I've been saving to watch Cats. Because I hear it's like the worst, uh, <laughs> the worst movie ever done. But apparently, there's a thing where Seth Rogen watches it while he's high out. <laughs> he's absolutely high, commenting all the way through. And, you know, I, I can't partake in the marijuana anymore. Uh, but uh, I appreciate uh, some of the humor. You know, it's like I've, I've grown up, but not completely. <laughs> and so apparently, there's a whole thing about there's a version of cats. You know, when a cat has its tail up, it's it's showing its one of its. Uh, uh, I think it's called the sphincter. Uh, and there's a version of it where that's in there. And there's a version of it where they, uh, they edit it out. And so I, I get great glee thinking <laughs> about these anatomical cat dances going on with the tail. And they're butting there. I'm like, you know, it's, you got to have fun in this. You can't, you can't take it too seriously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Those of us who are in recovery, those of us who've been through a lot of loss, dealing with things of, you know, either amputations or losing a child or, you know, being in a wheelchair for the rest of your life. I mean, there's, there's, I'm, I'm acutely aware of loss and limitation, um, but finding the holy in the laugh is really important because that, that, that seems to, to sap the power of whatever darkness is, that you can find joy in the midst of it uh, really uh, diffuses some of the, the, the gloom of it. A laugh or a smile, um, and I'm sure you listened to the episode with Erica the other day, and and oh, she yeah. talked about how her and her daughter went to the store and smiled at every single person that they saw, and somebody chased them down in the parking lot to let them know that she made their day just by smiling at them, because everybody else Absolutely. is doom and gloom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the reality is that I mean, I mean, if you've been through or been close to people that have, have you know died that. Um, something spectacular happens is that whenever whatever the soul is that leaves the body, things change. Like I've been around enough of this to see that at, at one moment a person is there, even if they're unconscious, they're there. And at the next moment, they're not. It's the same bag of bones, but the person is gone. And I've had that when I had to put my dogs to sleep. And I, I get a sense of peace. And even in the when I've been so close to death a few times in my own life, it is a part of the life experience and living our whole life, being afraid of it and trying to pretend it isn't happening. You know, so these big moments like this uh, sort of break through the barrier for a lot of people. They're just kind of living denial, pretending it's not going down. And it's a part of it. 
uh, it's like if you play a video game. I played a lot of video games. I've been playing a lot of Skyrim uh, recently now that I've had some time. I and mean, I can only work so much in the project during the day here. And since I've been not allowed to come back to work, um, <laughs> I've been playing a lot of Skyrim. And there's all kinds of cheat modes to this game where you get to be a superhero, basically. But if you put the cheat mode in, basically you put yourself on God mode where you're indestructible. The game, the game gets boring. And that's where it takes the, you know, it takes the adventure out of it where you just, no matter what you do, you can just pull through. And so life is so important because it is so fragile. Uh, it's so meaningful in these moments in time matters because we are all here for a short period of time. And so when these moments kick in like this, you know, the response of fear and shutting down doesn't improve your life. But to soberly look at uh, the limited time that we do have and appreciate the people in our lives and do something with meaning with it matters more than ever. It really does. And right now with the world of physical distancing, we need to work on mm-hmm. social. We need to work on social connections. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. I'm sure you heard it on the show. I hate the term social distancing. Social distancing yeah. tells me that's getting off Facebook, that's not calling your friends, that's not checking on your mom, that's social distancing. That's becoming a hermit or you know, a shut-in. Right. Physical right. distancing is the act of not being within their space to where you may transmit or get some disease from them, but you can still socially connect with them, pick up the phone and call Absolutely. mom. You know, that's, that's what we need to be doing in this world. We don't need to be worried about social distancing. We need to be physically distancing right, right. now. Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a major piece of it. Uh, you know, there's this uh, theory called uh, the hundred monkey theory. I don't know if it's been proven or not, but they did some studies on some islands where um, if a hundred monkeys on one island, where they could never get to the other island, figured out a way to use a stick as a tool or figured out a way to crack a coconut better or whatever it may be. After a hundred of them on one island figured it out within 20, 30, 40, 100 miles away on the other island, um, that idea somehow popped in the head of the unconsciousness of, of another one, and it got transferred around. Now, whether or not this is a <laughs> absolutely true thing, I think that is true with consciousness. I think that we, uh, the more we're doing certain things, it, even though we're away from each other, uh, these ideas kind of pass so in the collective unconscious that you know, Carl Jung used to talk about. There's a, there's a thing that's going on. And we can be receivers of that information or we can be transmitters of information. And so I think the, inter- in the, the work that we do as individuals, it's really important. Even when we're not around each other, uh, is, is the hippies talk about the vibe thing going on, like the vibration, the overall how things are tuned. What we as individuals do, and as we do them in mass, seems to affect the whole. I mean, and I don't know exactly how true this is, but they've done studies where they had some people, like a bunch of people doing mindfulness, where they put, put a, you know, a couple hundred people in a room and they were all focused on peace. And they realized that that day in New York City, the crime went down. Whether or not that's anecdotal or 100 percent on, there's, there, it does speak to a bigger piece that we humans are connected at, at, at a deeper level. Even when we're not physically, physically connected, we're all kind of swimming in the same unconscious waters. Does that make sense at all, or am I just sound like a crazy man? No, it really does. And and the opposite of that experiment is the toilet paper craze. Yes. Right now, <laughs> one one person gets <laughs> it in their head, 
if there's nowhere you're going to get toilet paper, then it becomes 20 people, then it becomes 100 people, then right. all of a sudden we're out cutting down every single tree and getting raw toilet paper because we're afraid we're going to run out. Right. There, there is something now that it's spring, you know, and I was, I'm an old Outward Bound instructor. There is a form of free toilet paper out there in the form of leaves. It's important not to get poison ivy as a leaf choice, but, you know, yeah, just options. avoid avoid the uh, leaves of three, as they say. <laughs> That's right. Which brings us back to cats. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're dancing by the hole. I'm still I'm still really upset that I trained all those turtles to do those dancing, and the Broadway shows canceled. And you know, you know <sighs> I've been working so hard. You know, turtles would have been <laughs> more day. fun than cats. They, they'd have oh least God. been able to come out of their shell. Oh my God, that's beautiful. That's right. That's right. You know, what, who was that? Who was that comedian? David. Oh God, what was his name? He used to be the church lady. Did a great George Bush Senior. Was in the Master of Disguise on Saturday Night Live. Anyway, he used to do the. Oh, Dan, Dana Carvey. <laughs> Dana, yeah, Dave, yeah, Dana Carvey, where he goes yeah. to the the turtle bar and goes, "Am I not turtly enough for you?" I mean, that's one of the one of the funnier things I've ever seen. Where he dresses as a turtle. Yeah, a couple of funny. Who's yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say a couple of funny parts in one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> oh, it's a horrific movie. <laughs> Am I not turtly enough for you? Is one of my favorite things to say. And people have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. I mean, there are moments where I'll just say to somebody, turtle, turtle, what are you even doing? I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. So, uh, life has changed uh, in a lot of great ways with, with this show. I mean, that, in, that, that shift and I we're able to turn our, our little home. Like my little house was nowhere near ever going to be a, uh, a place that was wheelchair friendly. And, and that's what we've been able to do. Uh, with my coming here, we've just been doing project, you know, Lauren, my partner and I, we, we even, she and I've been just, yeah, I just started off with, and it, you know, they're putting a little ramp off my, uh, my French doors coming out of the, the, out of the, the, the dining room. First, it was just a little tiny ramp. Then I eventually turned that into a deck, and then there was a little ramp off the deck. They're like, "Well, that's not good enough. Well, we needed to connect it to the sidewalk, and it, you know, and it just turned into like, well, we need to make sure people don't fall off this thing. Let's build a little garden box, and we need some dirt. And like, I can dig a hole, and we dug a hole. Like, well, we can turn that into a koi pond, and you know, it just, it just, you know, there and there. And some of that was captured in the show with Mike, as you can see us around the fire pit thing. That where we're we're all sitting. That used to be two feet in the air, and so digging up the koi, the, the pond for the koi pond, putting that dirt in and having friends donate different materials and some sweat labor with us all working together, we're able to get that uh, area working even more uh, with this crazy hope that people would be able to come here and, you know, have an experience because we're, you know, we're right on the edge of uh, the forest. Physical National Forest is my backyard. In fact, uh, Mount Mitchell is a two-day hike up the mountain right off the trail that the trail is in my backyard. You, you can you can sit in my backyard by the fire, and uh, you can. There's a trail just off of that. And if you take that trail two days later, depending on your fitness level, you'll be at the top of Mount Mitchell, which is the tallest mountain on the East Coast, and that forest is ginormous. Um, say, it, you know, making that. Go ahead. I was going to say. I think I saw a video of you uh, flattening out the uh, the grade out there to get to that trail to Mount Mitchell. Yeah, that's exactly what we've been we've been doing. Uh, we, we, and you know, now that we, you know, with, with that money, I like, like, okay, what can we, how do we spread the 20,000 across to do it? And there's so many projects and, and the, the price tag is way bigger by the time we get a, a fully accessible 
bathroom remade with a roll-in shower. Because presently, the shower system I have now for Erica is this little tiny shower, and we put a, a, a porch chair, a plastic porch chair in the shower. And one of us, she puts on a bathing suit, and I carry her into it and set her down. And like, okay, well, let me know when you're done. And <laughs> I carry her out of it. Like, that's just not going to work. But uh, so we're going to move my daughter upstairs and turn her entire uh, small bedroom into a really decent bathroom that's going to be wheelchair accessible because, you know, for people to stay more than a day or so, having a, a, you know, it works okay for certain size wheelchairs, but not for everybody. And so we've had to rent out, like when the show was going, this very start of the show, Mike's standing there, Mike Rose standing there talking to the producer, Jacob, and not the exec, whatever, the executive director, I don't know who he is. <laughs> Jacob's a big guy at returning the favor. Anyway, they're having a conversation. And in the back are two porta potty wheelchair accessible. I'm like, look, if you guys are coming, <laughs> you know, we're gonna whoever you are, because they just told me they were just doing a, a documentary. I'm like, if you got more than three or four people, we're gonna need a, you know, we're gonna need some system because you know, also our our entire septic system is completely broken. And, and when Mike and I first started talking, we're like, it, it's it's it busted up and it's like flowing up, and we've been trying to get it fixed. And he was laughing at me like, this, you know, this isn't dirty jobs, you know, so. You know, that part it didn't make it into the show, but our septic field died. Uh, like I'm standing there with like you know somebody who I've always admired, and I'm like, ah, it's like I, I see you have Shit's Creek going on. I'm like, yes, micro. <laughs> he said, you know, one of the things you might want to do with some of this money is to fix uh, your broken septic system. I'm like I know, I know, you know. But by the time we moved the septic field, put in a handicap bathroom, uh, we we got a building for a meeting house. It could also be a place that uh, we're going to wire with heating and air. It's sort of like a glamping situation. Some of our folks that are uh, in chairs and with other extra issues on top of it need access to power and air conditioning to be okay. Like uh, I think of little Tommy. Tommy Mills is one of the first kids, uh, persons who ever helped, and he has a serious seizure condition on top of his cerebral palsy that um, can get him to stop breathing. And so he needs refrigerated medication stuff, everything set up every night, uh, available. Um, you know, they need power, but in this, uh, we've got a building that's, uh, 24 feet long and I think 14 feet wide. Um, that's what, and the very start of the show, you saw a little shed that I was coming out of that had our gear in it. Yep. And we were able to send that back and get a bigger building with life and stuff. Get into it now that we can have as a meeting space, uh, we're going to build a deck up to it so that our wheelchair folks can, you know, push themselves up in here, have a place to stay that, you know, heating and air control while other people are camping on the same land. So everybody, I want it to be as inclusive as, as possible without it seeming like, you know, so it's, 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 we basically make a really cool cabin space, a multifunction cabin space that can be for a meeting room. We can do yoga, you can exercise, support groups, peer support groups, AA meetings, whatever, you know, just as well as places that um, wheelchair athletes can be right here with the rest of us. So it doesn't feel like they're just staying in somebody's house. It's like they're, they're, it's more rustic and an adventure. That, now that we have these freedom chairs, we can do that. Which yeah, you guys, I mean, like that's the whole thing. You guys got three freedom <laughs> chairs from, from returning yeah. the favor and the fundraiser for the fourth was almost funded last I checked. So it close. sounds like it's getting close. Yeah. Yeah. That's so going to be awesome. Chair down. Yeah. So we, you know, Joey, uh, Joey McGlamry is starting the chapter up in, in Atlanta. So now we're having a chapter there. We really hope that up, up Northwest, some people I might be talking to can start a chapter up there. I mean, God knows you guys have been 
incredible at supporting us in this. And I can't wait to see you all face to face and give you big hugs and, uh, you know, and dream because th- this idea yeah. should, 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 should be shared. I mean, it's, it's such a, it's, it's doable. I mean, we've, we've been going at this, you know, since the Boston bombing or just a little bit before the Boston bombing with, with nothing. And now this idea is growing enough that people can watch that episode and, and they can get it. And people, you know, like Mike and you and I that have background in knowledge of how to take care of people, you know, yep. they're, they're, it, all those, all those skills that we have to deal with, I mean, search all about search and rescue stuff where you help people that are injured out of the woods, you can just reverse it and put them back into the woods. And that's, that's what we're doing. You know, that's the whole thing, but there has to be that, that shining light of hope that, Hey, it's doable. You know, it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, it's, we're capable of reengaging the natural world and boy, is the natural world more important than ever. I mean, the, the, the obstacle course races are, are wonderful, but you know, my partner, Lawrence, you always says, what I'm really doing is I just love the fact in between the obstacles and in between all the stuff is I'm going for a walk in the woods with my friends. And you're going and, for a walk, going for a walk in the woods with your friends who generally may not be able to do that. And you've created a way yep. to where they can do that now. Yeah. After we got the freedom chairs, the, 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 the people freedom chair got a hold of me and they're like, Hey, there's this, uh, this older veteran, a Vietnam guy, and he wasn't getting the chair he wanted and he wanted to try to test drive. A, uh, a freedom chair. Can you go get him? And I'm like, yeah. So I, you know, I met him and his wife, and we went out to the park, and I brought my dog along. And he was outside the dog park area that was really muddy. He's like, yeah, I'll just stay out here. I was like, no, 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 no. You're coming in. You know, <laughs> like we can go places. And just that little park experience uh, with a, you know a gentleman that's my father's age. You know, I was excited about that as I am you know crossing the finish line. So the idea that we can have people of all ages connecting with nature, sitting around, you know, sitting around a campfire, watching the fish jump in our little pond, listening to the birds and the crickets and the, you know, the tree frogs, um, the cows mooing across the way. I mean, because I mean, I lived in a very remote area. <laughs> I was talking to Matt Davis from uh, Oscar Ridge. He's like, like you're already you're already in the safety zone. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I've already, you know, I walk out the door and I'm already in the safety zone. I mean, it's like, come on, nobody's nobody's getting up here. Uh, we are we're pretty isolated. But with uh, we're waiting to get the rig here. Of course, there's been some uh, delays in uh, you know getting things done uh, with all the pieces. But we originally flattened out a piece of land on. If you're at the front of my house, if you at the front door, your left hand would go where. We were originally going to put this building up, but we couldn't get it up there. It was too muddy. And Mike said to me, he goes, you must have laughed your ass off for somebody telling you, I'm sorry, it's too difficult to move something through the mud. I'm like, yeah, it seemed ridiculous to me. And so that's just out of that faith. I'm like, okay, what, you know, what's going on? We cleared a whole section, like a, like a quarter of an acre, maybe half of an acre of land. Uh, a good friend of mine is my, uh, my kid's godparent, uh, Chris Green, his company, uh, down in Shelby area, they were able to, you know, he set his dad up on a, on a, uh, whatever it goes, whatever. It's not like a, like a, a great big, got a bucket on the front and got the wheels, like a track, whatever those things are called. It's not a, wow. I've seen bush in, That's the wrong word. The land mover thing. Excavator of sorts. Cool, excavator, but it had like a, it had like an army track tank thing on there. It was like so freaking cool. And uh, I was like, yeah, that'll do it. So we cleared that land out. But you know, initially, you know, my partner and I, we just, we just slung blade all the kudzu back. And she got up there with a chainsaw. I used an axe. I don't like using uh, mechanical 
machinery that can cut parts of your body off for some reason. I know I'm a little jumpy around them. So she's got the chainsaw. I got the axe. So we cleared down. The, it was just nothing but a, a hill with um, lots of kudzu and, and just old fallen trees. So we cleared that out. And then a guy came with, with a tractor with a front bucket. And we got him started. And then my friend came up with that land mover. And we were, able, and we're thinking, all right, that's where this new building was going to go. And we were going to get that just on a wing and a prayer, not knowing how we would ultimately afford it before the show even happened. Before the show even happened or we knew anything was going on, we just felt the guy was falling, leading and directing us to have a place for people to come. And we weren't sure how that was going to work, but yeah. we just believed that's what we were supposed to do. And then we get the whole thing ready before the show comes. They're like, we didn't even know what it was a show. We just knew it was a documentary. We thought, wouldn't it be really cool if a documentary is coming to show this building we got? and have it installed. And the day before they came, it was too muddy. They couldn't get it in. So that, that land off the left, that's where we're ultimately going to put the, uh, the obstacle uh, bar thing there. And we were able to put the building in the spot where the, the, the little building we were keeping all of our gear in, which is close enough to the house to put power, which means it's more accessible. So it's almost like, you know, God's in charge. Uh, yep. <laughs> you know, like, yep. He threw up an obstacle that made you, made you figure it out the yeah. right way. Absolutely. I was, I was just out there going like, what is going on? Like I have some video of it. When eventually when all this comes together, we'll put a video of like all the things we've been doing in this time, like where they tried to get it up there and it just didn't work. And I'm like, I don't understand. I was just so confused. This is where Mike came out here. I was like, okay, God, you've asked us to like, you know, invest everything we have, <laughs> you know, on its whole hope with this idea that, you know, contact Cause you know, part of what we do, uh, you know, my, my partner, we're both, uh, she's a massage therapist. We both do Reiki, which is basically just laying hands on. It's a fancy way of, of you know, laying hands on. And then the two of us do it together. We've had some pretty amazing results when we work on folks because, I don't know, I think maybe the way how I got hurt is a way that, you know, maybe God got in a little bit. Maybe that's where the scars are. Maybe that's the connection or however it works, you know, whether it's there's some sort of miraculous thing going on in one hand or maybe it's just, contact from somebody who cares about you and respects you in an appropriate way is healing. It, it, there's the mystical, there's the real, and there's the practical. And we were hoping to have a space to do that. So I'm like, all right, we've invested everything we got. We've, we've, we've cleared the land and it's not going to fit and it's not going to work. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're having a, a, a small documentary coming. And this was the opportunity to show it so that we could have people come out here. And it's all, it's all gone. So I was kind of a sad camper. <laughs> so when it turned out when people started showing up for the show and I'm looking around going like, oh, this doesn't look like some possible documentary in the future here. Like, you know, when there's the cameraman and another cameraman and another cameraman, a cameraman assistant. And all of a sudden my dog's freaking out. Like she's totally freaking out. She's so chill. And she's like, not happy. I'm like, why is my dog so upset? And she heard a drone. Cause they got a lot of overhead shots. She heard that uh -huh. drone way off. And she's like down army crawling around me, like, what the hell's going on here? I'm like, and then I, after a while, I finally heard the drone going, yeah, um, I think this is bigger than what they said it is. But I didn't dare to think it was as big as it was. And then there was Mike loading up the, loading up the truck and seeing yeah. Mike Rowe was just such a, a sense of, of real hope of all this work that we've done for all these years that it could, it could be recognized. I mean, out of anybody that I'd want to recognize it, you know, I think we're all ultimately going for, at least I am personally going for well done, good and faithful servant, 
I, I don't expect I'll get that whole sentence out of God if that all happens. But I think I'll get like, ah, you made it. <laughs> you know, that'll be good enough. You know, but, but, you know, that's the big goal. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Like, oh, you rascal, you made it. I'm glad you did. You know, like, I was like, yay. That's what, that's what Joe DeSantis said to me one time. We're up at, uh, we were doing a 60-hour gogi. And uh, I get there that night and at the farm. He comes out to see me for a moment. And, he's, and they're like, look, I got to tell you, because of your chronic pancreatitis and that got put out there, our lawyers are freaked out. You just, everybody knows there was a GoFundMe for it because you, now you've got, you've got the diagnosis of chronic pancreatitis. You just got over this. Um, we're not comfortable putting you out for an agogi for 60 hours. I mean, maybe you can walk alongside or do this or that. I'm like, well, is there any kind of possible way? And they're like, yeah, if you can get, and this is like 11 o'clock the night before the medical check-in at 6 a.m. He goes, yeah, if you can get a doctor's order in uh, by tomorrow morning, it says you're good to go. I guess that would work. And I'm like, okay. He goes, but there's not a lot of Wi-Fi here. You got to like basically climb the mountain and go here. So I'm like, okay. So I'm running around Joe's farm with my phone up in the air trying to find a signal. I, I climbed halfway up Joe's mountain, standing out in a, like, you know, like out on a tree and a thing. I have, I have a good friend who's on our board who's a doctor. I'm like, hey, I need a doctor. He goes, oh my God, if you die, it's going to ruin my medical license. Like, I'm not going to die. So he gets the thing through, sends it in. We're, we're lining everything up. Joe's meeting us in the start of the race saying, you know, the first thing we do is service. We're going to carry concrete up the mountain. He's looking at me. He goes like, oh my God, you made, how did you pull this shit off? <laughs> And that's, uh, you know, that's uh, basically been my life, you know, like, it's like, all right, you got the letter. Let's go. Uh, I'm not at work right now because I went to go see Joe after the TV show happened. A friend of mine gave me some Sky Miles. Another friend of the part of the charity gave me a hotel to stay in. And I used a, a little bit of money to rent a car. And this is the thing that like, will just boggle your brain. We started because of the Boston bombing. That was the, that was the onus of the whole thing. Yep. So I show up at the airport the week before the show airs. You know, I called Joe up and I'm like, Joe, I think we should talk and do something because I think this show, you know, this show's coming out and it's going to be a big deal and we should probably talk about it. And he's like, let's do it. Come on up and see me. I'm like, all right. And so all the times before Joe's flown me out there and done things, but I wanted to come to him as, you know, where we, we kind of made it sort of like, this is a going forward. How do, how do we move forward in a way instead of us just, you know, barely with our hand out and our head down and just, and just like, please, uh, can I have some more? Like, how do we <laughs> step up and be part of the community in a, in a more grown-up way, right? So that was important. Um, so ticket, awesome. You know, got there. And I, I, sh- I go to the rent-a-car place, and I'm, like, looking through my phone. I'm like, I, I'm ridiculous. I pray about it. I'm like, all right, guy, which rent-a-car am I supposed to use? I just sit there. I go, oh, okay, I guess this one. Yeah, just whatever. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit. Maybe I'm delusional. I don't know. But I picked this. This rent-a-car thing, I go up the lake and I got my little over-the-shoulder bag. It's a satchel. And uh, it's got more heart than scars on. She's like, and, you know, immediately the Boston accent. You know, I went to school in New Hampshire. I love the Boston accent. I lived in New York some. I love that whole thing. She's like, she's like what's this? Uh, my heart and scars. People in Boston <laughs> say more heart than scars better than anybody in the world. Like, what's uh, this uh, my heart and scars thing? So I told her. She's like, oh, my Jesus. Oh, my Jesus. I'm like, what? She goes, I rented a car to those two boys who did the blowing it up fight. I, I did that. I, I've always felt terrible about it. I got interviewed by the FBI, the CIA, everything. I'm the one that rented them the car. He said, <laughs> honey, you just got upgraded. I'm like, what? You just got up. I see you put down the car in the car. 
how do you feel about the Mustang, the new one? I'm like, oh, okay, it's the same price. It's the same price, honey. You want a new Mustang? So here I go out of there, and the fanciest car I've ever driven in my life. So low to the ground, you basically have to stretch to get into it, right? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Got to get out there and do some, do some yoga so you can drive the car. Do some yoga and drive the car. So then I drive over and get in the thing, get the hotel, get up in the morning, and I get a message. And like, hey, there's this thing going on with coronavirus. Joe wants you to meet you at his house instead of the office. I'm like, all right. So I show up to his place in this, in this fancy car. And Joe's like, nice car. I'm like, You're never going to believe how I got the nice car. <laughs> you know, that's not in the budget. <laughs> My line item budgeting for like trying to like have a business meeting with Joe. Uh, the fancy new Mustang would not be on the uh, the selection, but it happened to be the girl, the lady who rented the cars and was just like just loves what we're doing. So there's these moments, these things along the way that uh, yeah, really possible that there's a loving force out there that is guiding us and directing us in the smallest of ways to show up for beautiful things to happen if if we're willing to do the work. And we're willing to struggle and we're willing to go through the darkness and just to keep on pushing that good things can happen. Doesn't mean it's all, it's all easy. And, 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 you know, this show just opens up more of what we need to do. I mean, the wheelchairs is something that we've needed. Um, having a, a training facility is fantastic. $20,000 is wonderful. And but when I look at the overall mission and, and how we're going to do it, I'm like, well, that's just, you know, it's going to take a lot more than that to get it done, but it makes it more possible. Now I'm sitting in that building right now, looking out the windows, and we got the floor ordered, and we had to get the type of floor that would be really good for wheelchairs. Um, and, you know, it's piece by piece. So you just have to keep the faith. And then you get these crazy moments where you get a Mustang because the woman loves the idea of Mahatma Scott. I wish I could. I should have recorded her saying Mahatma Scott. I mean, that would be great if you could have a, a button where you press on the logo. It'd be like her name, her first name, <laughs> our charity name. There you well, go. I'm going to I'm gonna have to find somebody to say that uh, and record it so that when I get a text from you or something, it, it sounds like her. <laughs> or get, get, Russ Blatt, yeah, get Russ yeah. Blatt out of like, New York oh, maybe Jesus. to do it. Oh, my Jesus. And I told him about when I was, when I, was in, uh, uh, in, 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 I went to Saudi Arabia. I told her that. I was like, I went to Saudi Arabia, which is basically where a lot of this mess and under, misunderstanding and misunderstanding of, uh, of Islam has and the, the uh, taking over of different territories. It, it's, it's basically tribal war and greed and uh, religious differences and um, just the, the fallen nature of mankind in general uh, that led to that Boston bombing experience. I mean, we, we experienced a little piece of the terror. There's a lot of terror going around the rest of the world all the time. Uh, but it comes from the idea of who owns Mecca. And whereas that, you know, thinking that some physical thing is the representation of, of of the, the mystical and that you can somehow have owned it and control it, which is just mind boggling. Uh, but the fact that, you know, people from Saudi Arabia asked me to come over there to give a talk about the work we're doing with our kids on the autism spectrum, uh, helping wheelchair athletes and vice versa. is pretty miraculous. I mean, I'm, I'm really blown away that our, our little charity that started on Facebook, such a small idea. Well, maybe, maybe it's not, I have to take that back. Maybe it's not a small idea, big idea. Maybe it's a big idea and in in started in a small way. And it, it certainly has grown uh, in a way that's, it's, I, I'm starting to feel good that, you know, whether I, my, my chronic pancreatitis takes me out or I get sick or whatever, I'm starting to feel some peace that I feel like somebody else is going to pick up the flag and keep going. You know, it, you know, if I fall, it's, 
it's going to keep going. And I didn't, I didn't feel that for a while. I was, I was afraid that, um, I was like, was that the story of this is the guy who carries the rock up the hill every day and it just rolls back down. He has to redo it every day, like his own kind of special hell. For, mm-hmm. for several years, it sort of felt like that every day. I'm like, I try to figure out how to make a post or share something or create content or connect with somebody or do it. Like, please, uh, could we have a race ticket? <laughs> like, you know, just trying to get there. Uh, you know, Wendy, you know, I, I've gotten divorced in this whole process. Wendy and I, when we started the charity together, we've got divorced through this whole thing. And she was saying to me years ago, like, if we, if we manage to save our marriage, we'll show we got more heart than scars. But if we don't make it throughout all this and we end up still as friends and co-parents and co-partners and running the charity together, then um, we'll show we got more heart than scars. And she was the insider on the show. Wendy was the one who was communicating with the producers to get it done and to figure out what we needed. Um, it's pretty incredible. I mean, in the midst of all this darkness, I see spring around me and see such good things happening and that there really is hope and love and grace, but it ain't easy. I don't, it's just whole thing more heart than stars. It's not, it's not easy. You know, Erica has to transfer every day just because she's adorable and she gets a moment on there and has that spot every single time she has to get from the bed through a wheelchair, she still has to transfer. Every time Michael Mills has to, you know, my, one of the first athletes we did this with has to, he still has to transfer in and out of his car every single time. It's not like you get a, you don't, you don't, you don't get a, you don't get a break from it. You know, the, the scars are there. I mean, I think that's the, the false theology of the positive movement of just if everything is all positive. Well, that's bullshit. There really are dark, scary things that are there that affect us. You know, my depression doesn't just go away all the time. My, my chronic pancreatitis is still on board waiting to kill me if I eat the wrong thing. It's, the darkness is still there and real, but there, we can just choose to be a little bit more than that. And that's why I'm so excited you guys are wanting to do that up, you know, Northwest. That's amazing. Yeah, I did, going back about 10 conversations earlier here, um, you know, when you reach the, the pearly gates, I'm, I'm just imagining someone there in a leather va- jacket Thumbs up like the Fonz. Hey, you made it. Because because of all the hard work and everything that you did in this realm, that's 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 kind of what I foresee for you is is the Fonz welcoming. I would have Fonz been the coolest thing ever. And then I of course that I can't believe you jumped the shark. I can't believe in that episode you jumped the shark. But Henry it's good to see you. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. But, you know, it's, yeah, when I was a kid, the Fonz was the coolest. And then, of course, there was Robin Williams. But let me tell you, Mike Rowe is doing some kind of special holy thing out there in the real world. He is, uh, you know, he's finding the people that are in the salt of the earth doing difficult things and, and, and shining a light and saying this is really possible. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Great Divorce. It's pretty spectacular. And in it, the idea is that everybody that's in hell is, is basically in London. It's raining all the time, which I've been in London when it's raining. And it, <laughs> I should get the idea. But, but everything was made of shadows. Everybody's, everybody's shadows. And so the, the rain comes in. Even if you live in a mansion, everyone's just hanging out in London. It's in hell. In this, and they can have whatever mansion they want. But everything's just a shadow and dreary and cold. And bleh. But every day, there's a big double-decker bus that goes to heaven. And you can get on the bus any day you want and give it a try. That's the idea. So this one spirit gets on the bus and tries to get there. And sure enough, they arrive in heaven. It's bright and shiny. It's grass. It's open fields, kind of like Narnia. Spectacular. The problem is everybody that's been in hell is sort of like a shadow, just a, just a, a stainy resin of a human. 
And when they step on the grass, the grass is so real. Heaven is so real that it goes right through your feet. And they're in so much pain, a lot of them get right back in the bus. And then, and then there's some people meet them and say, no, no, it's okay. Become further up and further in. It's going to get better. You'll become more solid over time. It's going to hurt like hell. <laughs> but keep coming. Keep on coming in. And so these, there's, there's adventures of all these different people on the bus. And they all get back in the bus and go, I don't want to read another. But one of them gets there and they, they see this woman that's walking by. And, and the trees are singing and dancing. And there's, there's all this merriment and joy. And everyone's like so excited to see this one person. And the, and the guide says, the, whatever this person is doing, the shadow person says to the guide, hey, who's that? They're like, oh, no, you would have never heard of them on earth, but they're famous here. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's that idea that who we think, or who we think the celebrities are, who we think the stars on earth, that heaven's got a whole different set of, of uh, who they're interested in. You know, what, you know, what really matters is those stories of people that are unselfishly giving and facing their fears, facing their own struggle or sin or brokenness in a real way. And those are the superheroes in heaven. And I think Mike's kind of scratching the surface of that. That's sort of a reverse economy. Yeah, Mike, he's been doing that for a while. Mike is someone that going back to when he first started or when I first came across him on Dirty Jobs, um, he just always stood out to me as as a real person. And there's so few real people on TV at that yeah. time. And then when when he kind of stepped away from that and started MicroWorks, um, yeah, which is a, a foundation for for uh, people going to trade school and stuff like that. And, and he really, even before he started that, he was posting a lot of stuff and talking about it a lot. And then he finally did it. And when I work with high schoolers, that's one of the things that I, I talk about quite a bit is, you know, going to trade school and, and being a real person. Um, unfortunately, right now with coronavirus, that's really highlighting yeah. that because everybody who went to trade school is an essential employee right now. And they're still all employed and they're all still working and able to keep the economy going. And, and their yeah. families, in, in the most part, their families aren't in need right now. As where a lot of the you know, lawyers, lawyers aren't really working right now. Doctors are no. working, but lawyers aren't. Uh, right. Well, doctors are pretty hands-on. I mean, it, it's, a, it's yeah, one of those crafts where it's a mixture of both the physical. Like, uh, my partner's dad was an orthopedic surgeon, and he, he also built things. Like, she's a carpenter because we've been building stuff here. I just watch her in awe. Like, wow, my dad was a theater guy. <laughs> you know, I don't quite know how to. I don't want to make things pretty and theatrical, but she's out there with her bone doctor dad, you know, getting things down to a quarter of an inch just right to, you know, for us to build these projects. I'm like, thank God I got her. Yeah. Yep. It, hands-on, real skills matter. And it turns out this Mike is a real guy in real life. Like the time I spent with him, it, it, it wasn't a disappointment. You know, I, I did grow up in a theater background and I've met some people on the way that have been a disappointment. Um, that you get these ideas in your head, like, oh, they're going to be something special. And, and famous doesn't necessarily make you special. And it's not necessarily, it's, 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 it's a burden that a lot of people struggle to bear. And if, if that wasn't true, then why are there so many suicides and overdoses of famous people? Like there's this false idea that if you get people to pay attention to you for things that you haven't really fully earned, you know, you just were kind of lucky in a lot of ways. And yep. people liking you for what you have access to, it's very hollow. And it's hard to know who really cares about you and what's real. And so 
Um, we have a, sort of a reverse economy of what, what matters. And maybe this maybe comes out of the coronavirus as we sort of reset our priorities that kindness and contribution and hard work and connection matter more than the shiny. I, I really hope that we come out that way. The, the planet needed some realignment when the most popular people on the world were posting pictures of just the stupidest things on the planet. And they get 8 million likes and everybody has to talk about it all day, every day. You know, let's go back to yeah. doing things that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for listening to the first part of this episode. I know we cut it off a little abrupt there where Zach was telling you about his dad and a little bit about show business. But if you tune in on Wednesday, you'll hear the rest of the show where we talk in even greater depth about Zach's life in show business and why he's currently not an interpretive turtle dance instructor. Be sure and tune in Wednesday and find out more. Thanks for listening to the BeastNet podcast. If you haven't done it yet, find us on Facebook. Like and share the podcast. Give us a review on iTunes or Spotify. All these things will help to expand the show in the future. Don't forget to subscribe and let us know what you think and what you'd like to hear. Yeah.